Let's go. Welcome to Micromobility, a podcast exploring the disruptive potential of lightweight utility vehicles. Using the history of computing as a framework, we examine how these technologies will upend everything we thought we knew about the future of urban transport. The host of the show is Horace Deju, founder of Asimco.com, and I'm his co-host, Oliver Bruce. Hey there, folks. Oliver here. Horace joins me again this week uh, to discuss the prospect of squandering abundance and the challenges that we're going to see as we see micromobility proliferate. Uh, But first, I want to thank this week's sponsor, Particle. Uh, As we're about to talk about, all these shared scooters, bikes, and other micromobility devices coming down the pipe are all connected to the internet. And when that isn't configured correctly, and operators especially lose touch with their fleet and the shared systems, it can get expensive very quickly. If you don't know where your $700 scooter is, you are in trouble. As I've learned more about this industry, I've come to really appreciate just how complex it is to be able to make that stuff work well. And that's where Particle comes in. They provide an end-to-end IoT platform, from device management and connectivity to hardware, for connecting all those scooters, bikes, and other devices up to make them actually work. For operators, whether it's tracking your fleet's health or addressing on-demand regulations in every city, it can be complicated. And then as you keep on adding new cities, it gets substantially more complex at scale. Particle's IoT platform enables the customization fleet management tools and reliable connectivity needed to support your growth and differentiation in the market as an operator. From the operators that I've talked to, Particle has been a godsend in helping them streamline the hard bits and helping them focus just on actually running their business. So visit particle.io forward slash micromobility today to learn more and request a free IoT development kit. All podcast listeners will receive a free consultation. That's particle.io forward slash micromobility. Go check it out today. And thanks so much, Particle, for being a sponsor of this podcast. And now, over to Horace. Welcome back to Micromobility. How are you doing today, Horace? We find you in Helsinki, which is a a rare occurrence, even though you live there, right? (laughs) Correct. And I am... I am very happy to be here, at least for a week. It's not just so being here; it's being here for some time, and that's that's been a welcome uh, welcome thing. Um, cool. But we've been we've been last time we met, we were in in both in Berlin. We had the Micromobility Conference, which went off tremendously well, and since then, uh, the news from Micromobility has just come kept pouring in it's like a, it's uh, we like have... coming in thick and fast it's kind of crazy it turned into this giant flood post uh post berlin we should have folks go and uh, register for the the micromobility newsletter uh that goes out every week and that cover, covers a lot of the uh, the news in the space if people want to to learn about it just go to absolutely micromobility.substack.com right and and since then i've been also to one more event i was at the um sae the Society of Automotive Engineers had a seminar in Paris, and that was last week, uh, where I spoke as well in the panel. Well, gave a talk in the panel, and um, what's interesting is when I go to these events, which are a little bit tangent to to micro specifically, uh, a lot of people come up to me and they say, "Oh, I'm I love the podcast," and I was shocked always to hear that because. Uh, it seems that people are are listening uh, across industries and across job functions, and there's 
there's a lot of there's a lot of people who say that it's it's something they use to educate themselves about the space, and I think that's the greatest thing anyone can say. I agree. Um, and well, so I'm very... it would be awesome if people left reviews. Uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't, please go and uh, leave a review. It does make us a little bit more easy to discover on uh, iTunes or uh, any of your podcast platforms. Gee whiz, we're doing a lot of selling in the start yes. of this uh, show here, Forrest. We're gonna do, we should probably well, we should get it. We well, should get we into the to. real meat. <laughs> Well, we need to do a little bit of that. Um, so the what I wanted also, so a couple of news items since uh, one, I think that's actually we should talk a little bit about, and this is the emergence of a new scooter, actually, but it's not, it's a moped. It's a sit-down vehicle that is from Scoot Networks, mm-hmm. uh, or what used it's to be the Scoot. Well, I, yeah. Well, no, not just Bird, but, but Scoot as well. They both launched... Um, these these upgraded electric sit down throttle vehicles and and it's it's interesting how and this dichotomy of should we be looking at a, and this this came out also as part of our categorization of micromobility do we look at the form factor and say okay stand up sit down throttle pedal what are the right ways of of categorizing uh, the vehicles, mm-hmm. and and one of the interesting debates that's going on a lot on Twitter is whether the the preference for uh, throttle systems is so high that there would be no interest at all in pedal vehicles, even the traditional bicycle, but the e bicycle. Sure. And you know the data the data I presented also at at the conference was that. Uh, and you've also published it as well, is the, the rise in e-bike sales in Europe. And that's a tremendous uh, growth story. Um, and it's kind of, we. how do we reconcile the fact that it seems like uh, throttle systems are really popular, especially in Europe, uh, sorry, especially in, in the US, mm-hmm. coming to Europe. And, and yet e-bike, e-bike sales, especially to consumers, are are also almost you know up fifty percent year on year, and they've been like that for some time. So the there are people on both sides of this argument. I I think that the the my personal opinion on it is that it's it's not just geographic preferences. Europe mainly because of regulatory uh, constraints, but also incentives towards a more active mobility so that cycling versus throttle systems are 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 different categories they're 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 just they're just treated differently because those who make an effort to cycle are granted certain concessions in terms of parking in terms of uh, uh, infrastructure in terms of licensing in terms of safety whereas throttle systems are considered motor vehicles and are heavily regulated. Did you know, for example, that although scooters are legal in Germany, they're considered motor vehicles? And well, yeah, which is why they, they have, have, license. have uh, number plates. Exactly, they have number plates, and if you're caught using them while while drunk, or you know, partially, you know, have been drinking, you will get your license suspended and possibly go to jail. This is this is you know, any use of that vehicle is really governed by 
motor vehicle law. And, and well, that's literally, one of the distinctions. Did you hear about the hundreds of people who lost their licenses during Oktoberfest? I did. And that's one of the things that you need to bear in mind is that in Germany, you know, the condition for for any motor vehicle with a throttle is that it's regulated. And that's the thing. Hoverboards were illegal to be used in public, uh, on public roads in Germany, because they did not get accepted as motor vehicles at all. So they were just essentially, if, if, if they're not written into law, they, they are, they're outlaw. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the U.S., it's kind of like, if it exists, it exists. Um, but at the point being that, okay, so you have a cultural and a legal and, uh, um, you know, a convention in Europe about really the only exemption for motor vehicles is if they're pedaled. And, of course, they still have to comply with regulations. So e-bikes are very carefully regulated, but but they're not considered motor vehicles, whereas scooters are. Anything yes. with, obviously, with a seat and throttle is even even more conspicuous as a, as a motor vehicle. And and yet and yet, uh, e-bikes in Europe are doing really well. Giant just announced uh, that they're going, they're on track. To, Giant, by the way, is, is a bicycle company. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's based in Taiwan. It's uh, some argue the largest. Yes, but it may not be. There might be Chinese player. They're larger, but there it, it's a big, big. Uh, it's probably the biggest non-Chinese e-bike or bike company. And now they get, came to e-bikes quite late as an incumbent. The e-bike was for them something of a of a hurdle uh, to accept but uh, they did eventually and now they've been their sales have been almost doubling for three years and so they're on track for 600,000 units this year and they were like a 350,000 I think last year and like 200 some thousand the year before so that it's it's just gone you know they've almost tripled in three years uh, and that's just one of dozens and dozens of manufacturers which are now riding the wave of electric bikes and and many in the bike industry are kind of disoriented and almost almost um, you, you know almost shocked and and the, in disbelief at the at the transition their their industry is undergoing and and so <clears throat> it's in many ways sustaining to the to the cycling industry to put an electric motor in a bicycle it's sustaining because it's sold typically the same way. It's serviced the same way. It's manufactured the same way. It, you need a slightly different supplier base, but it, those suppliers are adapting. Um, but the, the 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 question is, what does it do when it becomes on demand? And and that's where we haven't yet seen a lot of traction for shared e-bikes. We have seen just the rapid adoption of shared scooters and. Or, or, or you know, uh, mo- not mopeds. I should say scooters in the in the kind of the the micro mobility sense. Sure. And what what I'm wondering is is you know that whether whether the trends we see today, which is that everybody loves loves to jump on a scooter, and there's a lot of uh, there's there's a lot of capital going into that segment. Whether that's really the long term or it's going to be segmenting more, more, more finely than that, or, or we're going to even see a transition to yet something else. Yeah, so well, we had it's, it's, uh, we had it's the, a very interesting. The CEO of uh, Revel on uh, earlier uh, in the, about two two podcasts ago, and Revel was the the electric moped uh, operator in New York. And one of the some of the pushback that I had uh, on Twitter about 
the uh, the episode was obviously very bullish, exciting, all that sort of stuff. But mopeds uh, and mopeds work exceptionally well in the sort of the Brooklyn area, which is where they've deployed and um, they've moved into DC. But that those those areas are highly dense, and that they don't necessarily that 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 model necessarily won't necessarily replicate out into the rest of the country with the high vehicle costs and uh, other things. It is interesting. I really like that Scoot and Bird are both exploring this idea of a moped. It is interesting yes, to me that the, the with the moped, the way that they've structured it, um, they did actually go for a moped because there was a there was some. I read somewhere that there was a sort of there was potential that they were going to try and turn that into an e-bike. Uh, and as long as it operated under 20 miles per hour, then you don't need a helmet, and so you've and you don't need and a, these categories tend to blur together, and people are a little bit confused as to what, what's the big difference. So let me let me even point out that if you took a scooter like a, a, a bird and lime scooter and then put a seat on it, is that a moped? Because mm-hmm. it's well, it's almost the same as as far as UX is concerned. You sit on it, you push a button, you go. Um, what's the difference, right? You you could argue that they're 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 uh, equivalent, therefore. Um, so you make this equivalence a bit between a throttle, tiny wheels, stand up, tiny wheels, sit down. And then you say, well, what if we make the wheels bigger? Then you've got, you know, a more traditional moped. But, and then, you know, what about pedals? Or you go from the other side, what, what if you took a, an e-bike and then remove the pedals and you just had throttle? Is that a scooter? And the fact is, well, first of all, we can quibble about this forever. And it actually depends on regulators and what they think. But in my mind, this is all really debating whether you have a flip phone or a candy bar phone whether you have, you know, a slide-out keyboard or a flip-out keyboard, whether you have... And people were debating these issues violently in the early 2000s. You had you had form factors that were portrait and, and landscape. You had <laughs> keyboards that, you know, flipped you out one certain way. And, uh, and there were Nokia designs. Right. Some were Nokia, but some were like HTC and others were really experimenting with like, is the sliding better than the flipping? Is the, is the, um, you know, can we have two key, you know, two thumb boards separated, separated by a screen in the middle, right? Can we get, how do we do games on these things? How do we do texting or email on these things? You had the BlackBerry form factor, which had a square screen and a squarish keyboard. It was called BlackBerry because it looked like a BlackBerry. It had tiny little buttons, and everybody said, well, that is the killer form factor for email. And so there were a lot of debates. I remember particular Nokia chose not to do a flip phone because they were worried about the, the, the mechanical aspect of moving parts and those parts breaking over time or breaking if they're dropped. So you would have a much more fragile product and more expensive to make. And then in the U.S., people took absolutely went nuts. Japan and U.S. went nuts for flip phones. And everybody argued that Nokia was absolutely going to miss this trend. And they completely misfired on their, you know, candy bar preference versus the flip phone. And, and, And analysts, you know, mature adults argued uh, about the, you know, the the ergonomics and business models and implications of the flip form factor, whether whether you should, you know, use your thumb to flip it open, whether you should just like do it like a, like in the Star Trek, uh, you know, flipping, flipping it open and saying that all the kids that grew up with Star Trek are now adults and 
therefore that's why we have a preference there. So there was a lot of argument about this, and it all became rather moot because none of those form factors really exist today. So the to me, this is part of that discussion. What you have to ask fundamentally is, what are the jobs people have to do? Mm-hmm. To the extent that the vehicle fits those jobs, they'll do it. I think the, the jobs, as I describe them, is urban freedom. That's the number one job of micromobility. So how do we get people to feel free, to feel that their their uh, lives are better with the use of this of the, of this vehicle? And yes, once you start with that, you kind of go down and decide what to build based on maybe some circumstances where your where your customers are and your capital is, your your own resources internally are. Um, and because of these circumstances being different for hundreds and hundreds of companies, we will see hundreds of solutions until perhaps something unifies them. And the thing that unified the mobile phones were that we had an operating system question. And the operating system for, for these different mechanical form factors uh, could not be consistent. In other words, the UX of tapping on keyboards or, or stylus or having different ways of interacting with these with these uh, devices, all of that didn't allow for a single operating system. And once we had iOS established and Android soon after, we 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 more more or less had to have uh, a consistent screen-based interface that was that was different than personal computers or or uh, or even tablets before them, right? Mm. Um, and, and so that that was that, that's the thing that unified the mobile world around a new rectangular screen that has lasted for over ten years now, and billions of devices and billions of users. Now, will that happen? I don't know because the maybe the jobs of transporting people are not equal to or or cannot be um, made into a platform as much as as we had communications jobs, right? Transportation and communication, I'm using this analogy a lot, but are the jobs going to allow for a consistent UX? And and then the emergence of a platform, I think this is what the the, the big players in orbit around micromobility, and think of them sort of like the micromobility planet, and you you have in orbiting these are giant galaxies. And these are the galaxies of... Android, iOS, perhaps Windows, and you have another galaxy which is automotive. And you have these giant, you know, trillion-dollar industries that are still in orbit. They're not quite sure what to do with this planet, mm-hmm. and 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 yet and yet, uh, at some point, you know, once they become engaged, they'll do so because they'll see a way to parlay their strength into this new world. And so I'll give one example, and I think it's going to be around maps, uh, where, well, let's say Google might take a position and say, well, since we have maps and that's our strength, we don't ha- need to jump out of that world to embrace micromobility. We'll just layer micro options on top of ma- maps and thus become the discovery source. For sure, most as they, as they have so been have doing. To. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you can exactly, see, and, but that you would can see mean Lime that, and, and others in the app is mm-hmm. uh, in there as well. Right, you, you're you're seeing some some uh, some interaction there, you know. And, and Apple might wake up to that and say, "Oh, wait a minute, we've got uh, we've got our own maps, 
we need to put hooks for discovering various players and then they become kingmakers because they who they let in and who they let out and it's become the map becomes the interface but then you might say well so what was that do have to do with vehicles well to the extent that they're accelerating their chosen partners then they begin to influence them then they begin to say okay well we would like more integration for example for payments we would like to see more integration for registration. Um, so we want our identities to cross over somehow. So like you, you're, you, if you have a subscription to an Apple, uh, let's say, uh, iCloud account, then we would like to see that uh, available to anyone who's on our map. So for example, right? So, sure. so you, you'll see hooks like these all the time. And as a result, there's more and more influence. And at some point, maybe maybe these giant galaxies will, will begin to influence the UX and will begin to force something on the hardware as well. Seems like a bit of a stretch, but it's not unheard of to get that far. So I'm only cautioning on this because micro right now is is an interesting almost hobby as far as the major technology companies in the world are concerned. There's some are not even engaged as a hobby, but we will see them starting to look at it this way. Think about automotive for years and years, and I'm talking way back, like in the 90s and 2000s, Microsoft looked at automotive, um, and maybe Apple looked at automotive, and maybe maybe a little bit of uh, uh, of Google early on, Microsoft wanted to run an operating system in the car, and they had an effort in doing so for, for quite many years. Uh, Apple dabbled with CarPlay, and Android followed. So now we're seeing... Now, those are early efforts before they got into like trying to solve the autonomy problem, saying, well, we're going to now have a Hail Mary effort to control the user experience in the car by saying, we'll, we'll do more than a nice screen and a nice touch UI. We're going to go all the way to controlling the, the very reason the car exists. If you look at both Apple and Alphabet Google, is that you, you, you have them attempting to control not just the operating system. Let's not forget what they launched with almost 10 years ago with CarPlay was the skin on top of the entertainment system and that skin was connected to your to your device and so so the front the very front layer of the experience was was something that they provided but, but Microsoft came at it from a different point of view they said we want the operating system kind of like we want to have windows in the car in the car CPU right yeah which of course also includes the UX but when you look at Google and and with Waymo and Apple, potentially with Project Titan, with, although we know very little about that, is that they said, well, no, now let's look at making a driverless vehicle. And when you do that, you're essentially saying, look, the sheet metal doesn't even matter. You know, that can that can become, a com- that is already a commodity, but we're going to basically own the very reason the car exists, which is that, you know, the job to be done, which is transporting people, that's going to be redirecting people, as I've said before, that's going to be entertaining people. So it's no longer, it's that one hour a day you spend in a vehicle, we're going to want to own that that hour. And for that reason, we're going to own everything about the car. So that means it's operating system, it's user experience, but also possibly eventually it's, it's, 
its processing cores, its electric drivetrain, its uh, you know its powertrain, its power packs, its all those bits and pieces that that make up the car that need to be connected. And I think that's that's why everyone's expected. The expectation has been for five years that that Waymo slash Apple would essentially become car companies, mm-hmm. um, and and the, because the heart of the car bec- would become its its intelligence, not its engines or interiors or whatever we thought it was before, and that that was you know these were trillion dollar bets. These were hundreds of billions in investment so far. No 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 exaggeration, right? We've had eighty billion dollars in autonomous investment so far and 250 billion dollars in electric drive investment so far and so these are these are hundreds of billions of dollars that have been not just by those two by the way that's the across the entire world mm-hmm. so the, the the reason why these efforts are being made and, and that by the way is like one percent or sorry micro is like one percent of that in, in you know in terms of uh, order of magnitude so the the investments in 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 trying to capture the heart and soul of mobility have been around automotive, whereas this thing sprouted out like a weed, micro did, in, the, you know, in, in that world, and no one was paying attention from yes. the incumbents that had sunk so much money into that. So my, the, the, what I'm pointing out only is that if they do wake up to this question of what do we do with micro, maybe this was actually, maybe they'll think of it as a, yet another thing that fits alongside the car, mm-hmm. not yet disrupting it. But maybe those think about it is maybe we should abandon those efforts and switch entirely to this effort. Who knows? But but Mike, you know, history would suggest they they're not gonna abandon, they're they're gonna try to carry on. Um, but my my only point is then that that if if and when the the major technology companies, when you think about these guys who are actually committing billions to R and D, they're also looking at trillion dollar valuations um, as 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 companies themselves trying to get into new markets, trying to expand. And one of the last frontiers for technology has been transportation. They've been poking at it probably in in all of these different ways that are not relevant. Uh, short term, or they miscalculated how long it would take. I still believe autonomy is is fundamentally a mi- miscalculation because it's going to take far longer to reach uh, anything valuable, right? It, it'll it'll reach something. It'll it'll be out there. We'll see these vehicles on the road, but to see adoption reach ten percent or more adoption, sure, sure, that that's going to be a long, long time. So, whereas. Micromobility has this opportunity to really start uh, um, consuming uh, not just not existing trips but new trips. So my my point is then, to what extent do these fence sitters, these companies that are outside of the microspace today, they're not at the micromobility conference. They might send in a you know an observer. They might have some people say, hey, we want to make sure we support you guys as developers. They're looking at it as kind of like an interesting, uh, 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 you know, expansion of the developer ecosystem they already have. Mm-hmm. But if it becomes strategic for them, that's when the questions of platform platforms come into play. Will we see Android then say, "Hey, this is one possibility"? Like Google says, "Okay, we've we've got an operating system for scooters." And then, you know, they'll be licensing these out. Right now, very few scooters even need an operating system. Maybe, you know, no one's yet thinking they have embedded software. This is like dumb phones. We're at the dumb phone stage. We are at the dumb phone where you stage. Have, yeah, like frustratingly yeah. dumb. So, so, 
So that's the thing is that you need intelligence on the vehicle, number one. Number two, um, do you need sensing? Do you need accessories? Do you need Bluetooth? Do you need near, you know, uh, um, ways of connecting, uh, you know, wearables? Uh, do, do you want to have all this information, really fundamentally information about the user and about the vehicle interacting with each other and the network and all of that stuff happening and cloud and everything else? All of that happening and, and who's going to control what in this, in this new value chain? And I'm just waiting for that to happen. I mean, again, maybe I'm, I'm way too early on this. Yeah, but, I mean, but it's that's, funny because you the, and I have discussed this before. And I, I'm, the operating system on the vehicle thing is, is one of these things that I'm, I'm skeptical is going to happen anytime soon. For the same reason that you have fragmentation of, uh, you know, if you look at cars, right? It's, it's because you've got so many different manufacturers for vehicles. Um, you're trying to get something like CarPlay or the equivalent of CarPlay into these vehicles, uh, the, the scooters, for example, is going to be challenging to be able to fit across a lot of different things, especially if there's a large growth in the own space. Whereas you look at something like Google Maps, well, Google Maps exists on people's phones and yet it's almost exact, like it's almost the predominant uh, navigation device for how people actually drive around. Because people just end up saying, well, I've got the computer in my pocket, I'm going to use that. And there'll be some level of integration with the device. I just, you know... The, the the operating system until there's something that's really key and it's actually interesting because i interviewed uh, dimitri shivalenko he's doing autonomous scooters and for a whole range of reasons i'm, I'm actually kind of i thought it was an interesting idea i mean I, there are problems with it but i am generally i think you'll see autonomy and micro mobility before you see autonomy in cars and um because he's oh, doing really low speed relo- relocations working with regulators so they'll move the the scooters around at sort of five kilometers or five uh, miles an hour um, in these sort of dedicated areas um, working with regulators and and cities saying yep cool we can relocate the scooter to the nearest area and you go that's something that you can Mm -hmm. see turning into an operating system because that's useful i agree and and again but that's but that's an algorithm and that's an app in many ways we have to distinguish between the control of an operating system over the user experience and over the user loyalty and the user data. That's why an operating system is not a commodity, or at least non-Linux operating systems. Um, we can go back and, okay, we can really dig into this. Um, my, my, my only question, though, the reason we began this discussion was whether there are as yet to emerge forces into the microspace, which will direct it towards different vehicle form factors. It began with like, what's sure. so special about a sit-down scooter? So is is that uh, is are one? So one point of view is that we'll see a unification because there'll be uh, reasons why a particular form factor accepts a particular operating system or a particular user experience that everybody is absolutely madly in love with. Most Many people, don't forget, many people today might have preferred to carry a very small voice-oriented product and text product, which mm-hmm. would have been you know, an early mobile phone. But it's almost imp- getting impossible not to have a smartphone because, frankly, everyone who delivered any solution for, tel- for communications is building apps, and therefore you have to have an app device in order to communicate. Sure. So it's, it's like, okay, you, you, you'd have to basically uh, revert to something that no one uses anymore in terms of a protocol. Uh, that is a, a social protocol that no longer exists, calling people and, and, you know, saying hello. That's not something a lot of people are doing much anymore. So my point is simply that 
this is the this is the weird influence of um, of the creation of normative behavior based on technology, and the technology in this case would be an information uh, uh, protocol and information storage and information display. And this is what what phones are, and to the, what extent are vehicles going to become um, become embraced by this, and therefore become locked into that and 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 driven by it in terms of f- interfaces and so on. This is the to me this is the really big question for for micromobility. And that by the way, that's argument A. That is scenario A. Scenario B would be that it's not going to go the way of the of the phone or computer mm-hmm. um, it's going to have much more of a let's say automotive feel yep um, which is which is like there's hundreds of of models and dozens of categories um, where people say you know I prefer a jeep versus a sports car yep. uh, or you know and uh, I want to have a fast versus an you know a, 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 like off-road. Um, people mover versus two-seater, et cetera, et cetera. We have lots and lots of vehicle categories, and somehow they resisted consolidating into a generic vehicle type with a generic interface, or but not one that's actually where all the value is is, is accruing due to you know some other layers of of uh, information systems, which which force that consistency in hardware. So that that to me is the is the fundamental question, and and for for it to attract. A, a a platform player and there maybe even uh, a platform creator that will emerge from this space right maybe it would be let's say the the uber or or lyft operating system mm-hmm. um just throwing those out you know um but the, the whether that happens is like whether we'll see a service model of transportation which is beyond utility and that's that's why I keep going back to this question are we are we delivering utility or are we delivering potentially something else and that potential is not even clear nor was it, was it clear in 2001 that what phones would become would be social media constructs and social media amplifiers or, or social engineering uh, objects no one believed or could have possibly imagined this even if i had seen it i could not uh, uh, communicate even that because we, we didn't even have the language to explain what the heck this would turn out to be. So my sure, point is yeah. that can we imagine a future like that? That's the problem. It's like all I'm saying is that it's possible. I'm not saying how or when or who, but it's like it's very for me tangible that we we end up in a solution for for transportation that went the same way that that communication. So whether mobility follows communications, which follows also entertainment, which follows uh, uh, also uh, social behavior, right? All those have merged. Entertainment is is streaming plus plus Facebook. Look what happened to news. Look what happened to uh, uh, telecom. Look what happened to uh, um, media in general and, and entertainment. So it, it's phenomenal, the, the, the drama and the change and the and the angst, and and sometimes the positive and the negative, mm. and yet and yet, you know, communi- we think that transportation is immune from anything like that. That we're just going to have faster, cheaper, more convenient, perhaps less traffic, which is all good. These are all efficiency gains. These are all positive. Maybe that is enough. Maybe you know, also cleaning up the 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 atmosphere. Maybe 
uh, you know, providing uh, emerging markets with with mobility that they never thought possible. All of these are very huge positives. But it's also we could have argued the same thing in the 90s of saying that's what cell phones will do. They'll provide more, many more people the option to communicate. They'll provide cheaper communications. They'll provide more accessible communications. And they'll provide the ability to, to do talking while moving. Holy cow, that's a huge thing, right? And, and to think that, that that would have been initially very expensive and then they became, came down in price. But no one thought of the implications that would eventually that merging computing with that technology would do to everything in society. And that's where we are today. And we have people who are heading these companies going in front of congressional committees and in front of regulators and whatnot being grilled about whether they're destroying society. That is where we are. And it's only taken like 15 years. And so to the extent that imagine, imagine the implications for, for, for the fabric of, of, of life in urban life, particularly when, you know, if and when transportation costs start coming down to zero, which I think inevitably they will with micro, you know, we're mm -hmm. not going to get there, but we're going to be trending there. And once we get to a certain threshold, people will say, well, I'll just rather have a subscription and I'm, be I'm done with, with buying vehicles. I'm done with even uh, uh, hailing vehicles. Mm -hmm. I'll just be expecting a vehicle. I just push a button and it's there and it's always there. It's guaranteed and it's quality of service and all that stuff. And then what? And then what? This is the thing. Well, we never answered once we got communications down to a price point or communications up to a certain accessibility point. We never thought then what? Well, people then will squander that which is abundant and, 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 you know, husband that which is scarce. So then the question is, what is, what is abundant is accessibility and transportation. And then it's like, okay, it's so, so abundant that it's practically free. And then you ask, well, what will people do then? Well, they'll end up doing things that they never thought of doing before, mm -hmm. which today, I don't know. I don't know what that means, right? I, I, I'm only throwing out all these like random ideas of saying people, Having po these are po positive ideas, by the way, that we'll we'll we'll, we'll congregate more. We'll you know we'll go to or places we'll, more we'll than we do today. On the move. We'll, we'll maybe we hang will. out of the house. You know, Completely. because uh, because the thing is now we we expect we, by the way we expect people to stay at home for a certain number of hours and watch TV or browse or 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 or, or do stuff, and then we expect people to stay in offices a certain amount of time. Because why? Because it's hard to move. Right. And, and it used to be hard to also communicate. So you expected to, you know, make a phone call once a day or once a week or whatever it was. And now we're like texting f 500 times a day. We're, 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 we're uh, watching videos in, in three minute increments on YouTube. We're, we're, or even, you know, 30 second increments if you're using apps like TikTok or, mm -hmm. or, or Snapchat. And now what means, but it's, it, the abundance is there, but then people use that abundance to do silly things and you do maybe stupid things and you may, you, maybe you do dangerous things. And that's the thing where, where society becomes a little bit like, holy cow, we're, we're going off a cliff. But it, let's not forget that that's because we created an abundance of something that was extremely scarce. My, my, so my observation is that don't forget, this is, the, this is the water we swim in and we're fish and we don't know what water is. With the, the thing we're swimming in right now is a world where moving people is expensive, where moving people is a natural break, right? That's a natural impedance to, uh, to things which we do not think of doing because, of course, you're not going to get up and go to the moon tomorrow. 
it's that thinking, right? That is, well, we're not going to go to the moon tomorrow, so you know, I'm not going to, uh, or, or even what aviation has done. You know, you want to fly to to uh, to Hong Kong or 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 Tokyo. Fine, okay, it's a little bit of money, but or a lot of money, depending. But basically, it's like, okay, yeah, I can imagine myself doing that. But if you bring these costs down to something that is impulsive, you you change fundamentally behavior. And this is what I was trying to also say at the conference is that is that when you when you look at the market this way and you start to say okay we have we have the potential to um, let more people move and move much more uh, uh, quickly and and with a lot less friction mm-hmm. we might end up in a different place and I I mean I just I'm just pointing out that once that type of future comes, there are business implications, and those will also relay into platform questions and monopoly questions and dominance questions and all these other things we've experienced also with with media and with with uh, with communications and with computing. Do you think I, that I just there don't is see this level different. of network effects, though, in terms of being able to have platformization across all of this? But that's the point. It's like right now it's so fragmented, and one of the reasons it's so fragmented is another thing I point out, which is that there's 1,600 markets, which means that there's 1,600 cities of a substantial size today. And now if we define cities, and that's we be, we begin with categorization. So we say, well, oh, well, one thing is let's categorize the vehicles. The other way to categorize, though, is to say, okay, it's categorized cities, which are our points of access. This is the way we distribute a solution. And you realize that those are all very different, and it's hard to generalize and so hard to replicate. Okay, then, then we've got another problem that might impede the, the solution, um, and we don't end up with a, you know, one exa- one counterexample to my my computation theory is think about retail. You could have argued 20 years ago that it doesn't make sense to have so many retail shops. It doesn't make sense to have so many retail chains. So so many different so so shopping in 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 France is different than shopping in New Zealand. In what way? Well, you have different shops. You have Carrefour and you don't have Carrefour in New Zealand, I assume. No, we which don't. is a, yeah. you know a, this like huge huge box retailer. Um yet again you don't have you don't have Walmart uh, in France. So why is that? Uh, and what about going to a gas station? What about going to a convenience store? What about going to, there's some retail, like maybe clothing retail, which is global, uh, H&M, for example. The furniture is global in the form of Ikea, although there aren't that many stores. Apple has done a great job of sort of expanding its footprint in retail, becoming a global retailer. But that's still a numbering in the hundreds of stores. The thing that, that 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 surprises me when you think about retail is how even Amazon, which says, okay, we're going to abstract physical retail into this online retail, which then becomes a logistics question, which is much easier to scale and, and localize than, than, you know. Um, by the way, then you have McDonald's, which is kind of like, wait a minute, so retail cannot be easily made into a global franchise, but somehow restaurants can wait why is that why is the mcdonald's okay able to do a global rollout of its stores what do they do differently so this is why the closer you get to the ground meaning the physical you know physical ground the literal ground Mm -hmm. uh, the, the more difficult it is to make things global and consistent and can you know and and enforce a degree of of you know homogeneity and that this is what I'm asking myself. You know, you also look at things like insurance. 
Why is insurance not a global business? Why do you have local insurers? Why do you have uh, uh, you know differences even in like suppliers to governments, to suppliers of roads, suppliers of infrastructure? Those are local too, not global. There are some, but they they, they struggle. And if you're strong in Europe, it might, might be very dif- difficult to be strong in North America. This is where I, you know, you have to ask where does trans. You, you, you see things which are local and you th- see things which are global and you then you say, okay, how to what extent is media global to what extent it's local? Like television is more local than movies. Okay, why? Uh, what about, uh, you know, apps, which are a new emerging category? How much mm-hmm. of it is local? How much of it is global? It, I'm you know, thinking you, more, you ask, more well, for like, in particular for, for transport, you'd think about car brands and then you'd think about operators of public transport. And those, there are some, yes, and you know, like if you look about it, it's sort of obviously car brands are relatively global, but then you get into operators of public transport and that is like far less so. There's sort of a couple of like, like indeed, indeed, like transdev and, and things and like even that. Even cars, but, it used to be very difficult to actually see a global car brand. There were very few companies that operated successfully globally even some of the great people's cars like the vw beetle and the ford model t took a long time to become global and even then they never really reached a hundred percent global so to what extent again even in the automotive industry yes you, you create a world car but guess what americans stopped buying sedans uh and and you know and and uh, europeans are still not buying pickups what's going on right so mm-hmm. to some extent Right. We, we, we still have, uh, we, you have to ask this, and, and I'm not sure there's a general solution and an answer to this puzzle of what is global, what is local, what is scalable, and what isn't. And to what extent then is that due to regulation, culture, topography, geography, climate, who knows? I, I, I think that the, the, this is where, this is where, if somebody steps up, and then this is what Apple did uh, successfully, and, and Google and Microsoft, they said, "Yeah, we we recognize their language differences. We recognize their culture differences when we, we interact with machines and when we, we, we use technology." And if you went back to the '80s, you'd say, "Well, yeah, French people would never use a computer." Guess what? They all did eventually. So the 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 point is how a lot of those things which we thought were local became global. A lot of things in computing, a lot of things in media. Now with Netflix, people are watching much more the same shows everywhere in the world, mm-hmm. right? Because of streaming, we've changed the distribution game for for media. To what extent can retail, can Amazon step up and say, "Hey, we can actually solve this not for one or three countries; we can solve it for 100 countries." Um, and I'm not sure they can. This is one of my big bearish moments about uh, about Amazon years ago. Is I could not see retail becoming consistently the same globally. I just couldn't imagine how that would happen because of these local issues, because it's a ground game. Is transportation, though, possible to evolve and leapfrog or quantum leap or whatever we want to call this, the, the, the jump between a highly local, and that, by the way, the micro is particularly, as an on-demand service, is particularly localized because of regulation and because it competes effectively as as transit, mm-hmm. um, and which which is like you think of it as a service, you think you okay, well that's transit or taxi, and, and you know the global players like Uber came in with this sort of hybrid model and said, yeah, we we don't own the cars, we don't even own the drivers, we just own the interface to put 
a market together. Thus, we solve this problem of, of, of globalizing uh, uh, taxi, essentially. To what extent is that possible to see moving forward with another degree of transportation, which is micro-shared or micro-on-demand? That's where, that's where the debate is, I think, needs to go with with whether whether this becomes a platform business or this this remains a kind of interesting hodgepodge yeah, yeah ecosystem yeah and, and even if you're even even if you're a if you bird or lime yeah you might say okay i can do 100 cities or i can do you know 50 countries but a lot of it is still a lot of localization and uh and then you start to ask yourself how would i roll out a new vehicle form factor that was maybe pushing the envelope in terms of regulation, right? You might do something, sit down, and, and as we've argued before, we need to move beyond just one form factor because it, it's going to have to deal with multiple distances and multiple jobs. Anyway, it's a it's an ongoing discussion, and I, you know, I have my point of view of sort of being a being a, a bull on the question of of um, platformization, of uh, ecosystem creation, of there being um, a, a job around not just utility. And mm. as a result, we end up in a new space. And, and I think this is a healthy debate. I, I, I'm actually I, I, yeah, not I dismissive the, of yeah. the alternative. Oh, yeah, I disagree with it. It's funny. So one of the, one of the anecdotes that, that I can share is when I was at Uber, I remember there was this period when um, Travis was really excited about turning. Um, it was sort of the period when everybody was into social. And um, I think that was when Google was going through its Google Plus thing anyway. And we, and we had this whole thing about like, oh, we, you, your ride experience in Uber is you're going to hop into the car and then we're going to have this. We did this whole redesign of the app. Um, and, and it was all about playing you media in the car and we were going to serve up all these things. And it was going to be a lot of information. Um, and nobody looked at it when we actually, you know, it was this whole experience that we had uh, someone take a, take a mm -hmm. ride and we'd expect them to engage with the ride. And people didn't care. They just went and did whatever they were going to do on the on the ride. And I, that's the right. no, your that's point a good, around, great like, example. it's going to be a platformization and then all of a sudden it's going to have all these things built in. It's like, mm, maybe, but I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, I think a lot of people are just like, oh, I want to get from point A to point B. And Well, maybe they were just... Well, look, let me counter this with saying that it's not a failure because you 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 misunderstood what the demand would be for such an experience, but rather that there are other pieces that need to come together that that the the um, you know that you haven't leaped into being a an experienced company and also that that uh, you, you need you need much more than exposing uh, a button on your app yeah, that it yeah, might be fair. you know you know we we, we can't be we, we can't you know and and it's like saying okay you know the early movers in a lot of these spaces failed you know early tablets were 90s uh early social media was like you know myspace uh which who thought you know that the the music was a social glue, um, and then you had a lot of efforts in in saying, well, messaging is the key, and we remember instant messenger, not what we ended up with. So, in many ways, being early is being wrong, and and yet it's not uh, something that, from an entrepreneur's point of view, it's being early is being wrong, but it, but it's also, um, um, you know, it, it's also 
that you 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 got uh, maybe ninety percent there, mm. and you need it to be a hundred percent. It's like it's maybe that that's one of the aspects. So I'm 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 this is bare, you know I just propose we watch this closely and think about it more than utility. I I would I it would be to me so much more interesting if 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 micro mobility enabled the world more than if made it more efficient right so uh we'll 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 uh we'll keep an eye on this well i i look forward to it i, I remember you in an earlier episode saying you're going to hang up your hat horace well we hope we hope not but um yeah i i no look i hear you well if it doesn't if it doesn't turn out that way then frankly i mean within about five years there'll be uh there'll be an emerging um kind of either either things get locked up because of regulation or the you know so it, it becomes another bike sharing system but maybe slightly better mm-hmm. or it, it it might end up as uh as a monopoly or or you know du- duopoly so we have and i think that's the bet people are making on on bird and lime it's mm. kind of making making those two become or or lift and 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 uber right so to some extent there um or or we end up in in um a scenario where where actually there's hundreds of players but there none of them are making money which is the sort of the bicycle model today or the motorcycle model today or the automotive model today which is like you know we really it's 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 a servitized product it's a it's a product you make money through service but it's fundamentally a, you know, a, a, a mom and pop without, you know, saying mom and pop is wrong, but it's just saying that it's a small business. And, and so there's hundreds of them. And um, that is, these are the three scenarios that exist, death by regulation, death by monopoly, and death by, by a thousand cuts. Mm. I, I think that, that if, if uh, if this were to be, of course, there could be even more scenarios. I'm not I'm not gonna you know be able to envision all, but I think that there there is potentially the the this alternative model where we end up much more like the 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 transportation business becomes much more the, like the communication business where it it spawns a whole new social construct. It becomes so powerful that it affects how we live and and the city itself and it it creates actually the most positive i can think of is that it it creates uh, uh stronger societies a more cohesive uh uh, uh urban uh, uh communities which which uh you know is almost like a renaissance in in many ways uh enabling what the renaissance enabled which is which is a new a new era of uh, a way of thinking and potentially you know also solving a lot of climate issues, but but it it could really reshape society and, and I always kind of from a historic point of view point out that that it was in fact a lot of transportation technologies which did that in the first place, mm. uh, which enabled trade, which enabled commerce, which enabled the formation of cities and creation of wealth and all these other things were because of ships and navigation and roads and all these other things we came up with and railroads. Uh, and, and so to that extent, the hope is that whatever the car did for the 20th century in creating a certain type of urbanization, that micro can, can kind of may take us to the next level. I wouldn't say revert, but rather f- move forward to yet another 
world uh, of transportation and 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 society where where we're not bound by moving in metal boxes and as a result we shrink the the overhead needed to to connect with each other and that that's fundamentally where where we want to go I, the car wanted to do that it just it just it just was was a left uh, at the time when it when it was born the idea of personal mobility uh, in the early 20th century was was building on uh, 19th century technologies and internal combustion and chemistry and and uh, knowledge gained for for materials and and um, um, that, and manufacturing which which enabled what it what it, what we have today uh, but electric power is so powerful and communications in the vehicle are so powerful that we should abandon the shell we should abandon the 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 the, the construct we have and and that should enable something else hopefully because the car is extremely transformative it's terraforming it did change the world and so i ask if the successor to the car couldn't do the same mm-hmm. and what would that look like right Let's be ambitious. Let's let's hope and plan uh, for for a, a very different future, not just in a more efficient one. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. No, I can hear that. I'm I'm I'd be very satisfied if we just win the utility argument and we and we manage to drive down climate emissions and make the cities work more efficiently. But that's me. I hear I hear you. There's a clear. That's a clear win. There's no. I know. There's no doubt that that's a very big win. Yeah. And it would, it would, uh, it, it would, you know, it, it, it would be a, a, a Nobel Prize idea, right, to do that, right? Um, but, but I, I'm, I'm hoping we can do even more. Uh, thanks very much, Horace, uh, as always, and look forward to having you on. In and the we future. didn't talk about what we planned to talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that's never, that never is the case with you, so that's all right. Excellent. Thanks, yeah. Horace. All right, man. Take care. Bye, bye.